We serve a great God. Amen. And his mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And uh, he has many, many good things in store for us, more than we know. Amen. Eye has not seen nor ear heard. Neither has entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. However, we can discern them because they are spiritually discerned. So every now and then God will give you a glimpse of something good coming your way. (laughs) It will be a little flash through your spirit. Amen. And and we get excited and encouraged, but we still have yet to behold some of the things that God has laid up for us. And, and I think that's good because it makes life interesting. If you knew everything that was coming, you could make a judgment on it. And most of us would judge it as, I don't know if I like that or not. That's probably too busy for my earrings. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's crazy stuff. So, and I think that's, that's the nice thing about the Lord. He knows us. He knows how to please us. He knows what will please us. And he has many, many, many more things laid up in store for us, uh, if we believe. Amen. And, uh, so I'm, I was thinking about the real similarities between the character they call Santa Claus and our Father God. You know, people get ideas from somewhere. And, and many times we get ideas from, we're just inspired to create something or inspired to create an idea. And so I think it's, it's, it's very, very uh, valid that people have created somebody that they can draw a picture of and look at and anticipate that has so many attributes of God because he's such a giver. Amen. And, and we all know naughty or nice don't even count because we quit, we quit even trying to, even as sinners, we quit, you know, if, if your mother told you wasn't getting nothing because you didn't do this or you didn't, oh my, you got so and so something, you better get me some, you know, stick your mouth way out and then mom had to get you something, you know, you knew it was coming whether you were good or bad and that's a picture of our forgiveness amen that that god doesn't hold sin against us he's willing to forgive and and uh give mercy to us and it, it's just so fitting uh sometimes so don't get mad at santa claus you know don't don't get mad you know we waste so much time i've, I've seen believers put nasty notes on facebook don't talk to me about so and so if you want to talk about santa claus just go someplace else and i'm thinking you know lighten up come on now just pray about stuff you know pray about stuff and and uh don't alienate people for no reason yeah or uh his birthday ain't in december okay but we all agree he was born right it come we just were looking for his birth so Come on, folks. Let's, let's all just lighten up, lighten up, lighten up, and and <laughs> just be merciful, be forgiving, act like Christians. You know what I'm saying? Everybody want to pull the sword out on each other just because it's you know something you heard a controversy about. There is no controversy. Listen, when you get close to the end of your life, you ain't gonna be thinking about what's the right birth date or nothing. You be trying to square it up and make sure you you've done the right thing to get in. So praise the Lord. 
Amen. He's worthy to be praised. So um, I thought I'd share something um, with you. Uh, when I was at the Billy Burke meeting in November, uh, I received a word of prophecy from him. And uh, I had been waiting. I wanted to share the entire thing. And I was waiting uh, to see if and when they would post, because they post most of his meetings on YouTube. I was trying to wait and see when that would be posted so I could give you the whole concept there. But I haven't seen anything yet. And I was looking at um, the scripture that that uh, was written down for me. Some of the people that work there uh, were were kind enough to write down one of the scriptures that he he gave, and that was in Isaiah 43 and verse 19. And since I was asking him about the ministry, things that I desire to see happen in the ministry, and um, I'm trusting that you want to see those things too, amen? Uh, if you're here, you need to want to see see them because that's where we've been headed for 35 years and, and we're, we're getting there and getting there and getting there. And, and we have received, um, of it, but there's still a fullness that's yet to come. And so in Isaiah 43, we, we talk a lot about the book of Isaiah as strongly prophetic, messianic prophetic, and it's also the book of restoration. Uh, and it's the book of new beginnings, a new start, uh, ending to the old and introducing the new is, is what Isaiah was known for. And so he says here, um, in verse 18, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. So this is big, you know, where he tells you forget everything <laughs> that's been in the past. Amen. Just let that go. And he says, behold, I will do a new thing or I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. So it's springing forth now, folks. And he says, shall you not know it? So what he's saying is, it's going to be so obvious what I do. He says, shall you not know it? It's going to spring forth now. And it'll be so obvious to you that everybody's going to do it. He said, because I'll start it with a miracle. And the miracle is I will even make a way in the wilderness that is a road in the desert and also rivers in the desert. So God is going to spring forth life, direction, light, all of that out of unforeseen and unknown places. So God is going to start moving wherever, whenever, however. Amen. He says, the beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. That's me and that's you. They shall show forth my praise. But you have not called upon me, Jacob, nor have been, and, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. So they get a correction and a rebuke. But you can shape up. I mean, if, if you've been, you've been at odds with God, now's the time when you find out he's doing something new. That means he's ready to forgive and to spread this to you as well. 
Amen. And he rebukes them and he lets them know where, where they've been disobedient. Amen. But he says down in verse 25, he says, I, even I am he that blots this out where you've been disobedient. I blot out your transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. Amen. So God does not remember once we confess. This is so important because so many people run around uh, ignoring their wrongdoing and in, in looking funny at people and being scared around people and all that kind of nonsense. Why live like that? Amen. Why live like that? It's because you haven't been forgiven. You haven't been cleansed. You're trying to hide it. You know, we did that when we were sinners because we didn't have any other avenue to live by. You know, you did wrong to your fellow man and you went around him and act like nothing happened. We don't do that anymore. As Christians, we don't live like that. We live honestly before God. And it's not like we're trying to, to be bad people. Because you do bad anyway. You can be as good as you want to be and try to be. It's like Paul said, the thing I don't want to do, I wind up doing it anyway. And the thing I want to do, I mess up doing that. <laughs> so you got great company. If he could be, if he could make that confession and wrote two thirds of the New Testament, think what you can do. Amen. Think what you can do. And he says, I blot him out for my own sake. In other words, he's not doing this to help you necessarily. He's doing it because he said he'll do it. For his sake, he does these things. He keeps his word to himself. Amen. And he says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that you may be justified. Amen. So put him in remembrance that he said he's going to do a new thing. Put him in remembrance that the former things are passed away. Put him in. Let us reason together. He says, just come talk to me about it. That's what he wants. And he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Make your declaration. That you may be justified. Amen. So confess your faults. Confess you. Tell God, you know what? Sometimes you need to tell God, God, I have no idea. You sit up there with all your tapes and all your notes and all your this and your that. And it's like a big puzzle. (laughs) You know, you're trying to put it together. You say, God, I have no idea what all this is and what it means. I know this much. I want my healing and I want it now. Amen. I want my blessing and I want it now. Amen. And put a praise on it. Amen. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, so that's where we're going to, uh, settle in today. We're going to talk about adoring the Lord and adoration and praise and all of those things because they are so important. Uh, that's one thing that you can do that the Old Testament saint couldn't do. Amen. They, they had a form of praise, but ours is different. Amen. We, we have a mandate of praise. We have a praise within us. They would hear the words and, and get involved in congregational praise, but ours is, is a different quality. 
It comes from our hearts within, from the spirit within us. And so it has a different power. It has a different purpose. So, so we're going to talk about that some today and allow God to minister that to us. But I just thought I'd let you know that God is ordaining a new thing. Amen. Shall we not know it? And it will spring forth in miraculous ways. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Let us find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you more than anything. We need you. And we thank you and we bless you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. And we are more than glad, Father. We are ecstatic. We are excited. We are blessed. We are fulfilled with your praise. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Mr. Dillard, the Lord told me to tell you that it's going to be smooth sailing for you from now on, okay? It's smooth sailing, so... That's your word from the Lord, so you place that where you want to place it. <laughs> and put a praise on it. Hey! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we thank you for encouraging us, and we thank you, Lord, for giving us what we seek. We seek it. You have it for us. You want us to have it. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So so our title is, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Amen. It's not, quote, unquote, a scripture, but it is scriptural. Amen. Uh, the reason that Jesus came, one of the reasons that he came, was for us to complete our covenant of worship to God. Man, um, uh, his his life completes that covenant of worship uh, to God. Um, we've been he's been bringing us back or has been had been bringing his the nation of Israel back to him. And they would come and stay for a season, <laughs> get dr- drift off, get lured away, serving other gods. Uh, you know, I was listening to, you know, a different translation of the Bible and it talked about, um, how, um, how foolish the, the idol worshipers were. And uh, it talked about the fact that a person that carves idols, he said, he says, uh, he takes a, a piece of wood and he chops it and takes half of it and makes a fire with it and cooks his food and then the other part he worships. You know, it's like you think about it and how could that be a God? It's it's got two purposes in your life all and all of a sudden you elevate it to and and it talked about how how I uh futile it is to worship the works of one's hands. 
but how common it is for man to do that. You know, what's if you begin to see prosperity come in an area of your life, you forget the source, you know, what what you're what's blessing you, what what God uses naturally to bless you is a resource. It's not your source. Amen. The source is always God. And you worship the source, you don't worship the resource. But people oftentimes make that mistake. You'll find them spending much more time working and slaving and all of that than they do worshiping God. You know, the first thing that goes, you know, the enemy knows how to deceive people and how to lure them away. He just start messing with your money a little bit and see what you do. Amen. You run off and get two more days to work and start sweating it. Or do you just say, no, wait a minute. God, I thank you for provision and I'm not going to move. I've given you X number of days per week <clears throat> to come into congregational worship with you. And I'm going to keep that up. Amen. And, and just learn how to not be moved from the things that are, are the foundation of your life. Don't let your foundation be shaken. Amen. That's what the enemy's always after. He's after your foundation. So, but if your foundation is worship of God and your foundation is praise to him and, and you adore God and love him with all your heart, then you will, will definitely uh, last. You'll be able to stay. You'll see the enemy come and try to move you off your position, but yet you remain faithful uh, to the God who, who uh, saved you and who blesses you with everything in your life. And so I just thought it was fitting when we talked about um, Christmas and the things around the birth of Jesus to talk about how worship and praise were opened up. Uh, to all of mankind. Uh, so if we can turn to, let me see how I'm going to start this. I did my notes in reverse, <laughs> which is, it's not unusual, you know. I won't have you cue Mr. Tom Jones, okay? We just won't do that. Praise the Lord. In Luke chapter 2, We'll start in verse 1. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, this is a key, some key things, key elements, I think, that that are a tip-off to God moving um, and, and God proposing a counter move to what the world system is doing. You will see it repeated over in history. Whenever there was a power that claimed to run the whole world, one government that claimed dominion over the whole world, God moves. He don't even have to have us to pray. He moves sovereignly to stop it. Amen. That is his, that is his domain. He is Lord of all, and he knows how to protect his lordship. He knows how to protect his dominion. He knows how to protect what belongs to him. And you will see God move sovereignly to stop every world, one world government that has ever tried to do it. From the Tower of Babel down to where we are now. 
Amen. Because we have a move now where we have people who think that they know better than God how to manage the earth and all of his resources. And the first thing man will do is try to cut down populations. Because man having a poverty mentality never sees enough provision for everybody in the world. See? So they have to make a decision as to who receives, who doesn't receive, how you get it, how you don't get it, uh, where to put you in line, where you, where you come in at. And so the one world government, it's always working. You know, it's always working behind the scenes and then it'll pop up and manifest in the natural, make its announcement that it's going to do such and such, so and so. And so whenever that happens, God steps in because he takes care. He defends his own kingdom. Amen. The way he, where he uses believers, he will use us to set up, um, I would say regions of, of kingdom rule in the earth so that he can have worship, so that he can have provision for his people, so that he can have freedom for his people to worship him, not to do whatever we want to do. Amen. So as long as we're obedient to what God tells us to do, we will have freedom. You have freedom to worship. You have freedom to go to work, make a living. Your life goes on as though nothing is wrong anywhere, but there will be lack in in areas where people don't worship the Lord or where the gospel hasn't been preached or where the gospel's persecuted. And that's the other thing you see in, in one world governments. They persecute the gospel. They don't stop it. They try to. Amen. They persecute it. And so we're seeing an increase now that's visible to us in the areas of persecution, in the areas of um, controlling people. Uh, this flu is nothing but a control mechanism to keep people dependent on government for their what they feel is their liberty. Uh, you can't go out, you can't do this, you can't do that unless the government says so. You see what I'm saying? And so God has a plan to stop this. Amen. Don't don't ever think he's not aware, he's not watching, he's not, he doesn't have a plan because he does have a plan. The plan that God has oftentimes looks like not a plan. Amen. This looks like, well, it's business as usual, you know, it's, it's a little something here, a little something there and, and all of that. But don't ever underestimate God. He hates evil. Amen. And he'll put a stop to evil. Amen. He likes it when his people cooperate with him. Uh, that's why it's good to stay out of political arguments with people and trying to prophesy politics and all this kind of stuff because it always will backfire on you. We have no clue what God's doing and how he's going to do it. And so all we can do is is continue to worship him and serve him, <laughs> you know, do what he tells us to do. But God is moving. He's moving in so many different areas and so many different directions. You can't keep up with it. You understand what I'm saying? If you follow the story about the birth of Jesus, he was moving in so many different directions with so many different people. <laughs> you know, there's all the players that we 
we see in the in the Bible, you know, we try to capture the essence of the birth of Jesus in one picture and you know, we got the wise guys there and they didn't show up until he was maybe he wasn't a baby pretty much when when they showed up. You understand what I'm saying? It was but they we try to encapsulate everything that was important there. We try to cram a few shepherds in there too and you know, some angels all around and everything and and so uh but God was moving in the hearts of so many different people at the same time to make it evident that this was the Messiah. This was the promised and he was the liberator of the whole world, not just Israel, but the whole world. Amen. So, so the, where are we at? We're in Luke chapter two. And these, the first people that came to worship him, we believe were these shepherds. Um, but we just go by the story that we have here And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. How could he make that decree? Because the Romans ran the whole world. Nobody who was on the earth was not under Roman rule. This disturbs God very greatly. Amen. And this taxing was first made by when Serenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, that the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, Anybody that's thinking right would not move a, a greatly pregnant woman. Amen. But they were under orders of Caesar. So you didn't think about if there's a, do we have coverage? Is there a hospital near? You understand what I'm saying? You don't think about that. You just obey Caesar. Amen. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn because there were so many people traveling during that time. Amen. So here God moves at an inconvenient time for two people who are just trying to be obedient both to God and to, and to Caesar. Amen. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now these, it does not say they were seeking God. It doesn't say, doesn't even say they were Jews. We assume that they were. And they were very afraid. These angels just happened upon them. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Amen. Everybody. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, if there had been some change of plan where they, oh, you know, we got room now in the hotel, come move in the hotel. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So God orchestrates everything the way he wants it. Amen. 
this is an odd thing for a baby, a brand newborn baby to be in a stable where you know what's in a stable, right? Amen. And a manger really is the place where they put the food for the, for the animals. And so there he is in a food trough, very unusual thing. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. They didn't just tuck it away as another vision, as another prophecy. This thing had an impact on them that propelled them to make sure they got this word confirmed. And they said, let's go and see this, which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So number one, they knew it was angels from God. They knew it was the word of God and they knew that they had to obey it. And they came with haste. In other words, they were fast to go and follow through on this message. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which does told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wondered at those things that were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their hearts. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And and so the purpose really of God bringing part of the purpose of God bringing Jesus, the first response and the first reaction was the, the release of praise and adoration among the people that, that this news was shared with. Amen. This was good news and they responded in kind. Whenever God manifests himself, he is worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise anyway. But whenever he manifests himself in a way that makes himself known to people, people have to stop and ponder. And there's a reaction that comes forth in the heart of every human being. And that is one of gladness. That is one of of spontaneous worship. That is one of thanksgiving. It's something, there's something about being singled out by God to bless. When, when he singles you out and, and lets you know that he either heard your prayer or he's with you or he, he just wants to encourage you. He wants, and I shouldn't say just, but encouragement's very important. Amen. Because discouragement is always on the rise. Amen. It's easy to discourage people, but to encourage people, it takes, it takes a God thing on the inside of you. You understand what I'm saying? To really want to encourage someone because the first reaction of people is flesh is, is just to ignore it or not say anything or, or to be ambivalent about, you know, whether or not to tell someone, you know, that really blessed me when you said that or thank you for thinking about me or, you know, anything like that. Those words of, of those gracious words, can I say those giving words? Those words that are, um, that will benefit people. 
You know, those sometimes those words are hard to come by, to be honest with you, because most people are so absorbed and so thinking about themselves, they don't even want to spare a word or or shed it out to to help somebody or let a person know, you know, I was thinking about you and and, you know, I just thought I'd pick this up or give it to you or you, you understand what I'm saying. And so we have to look beyond where we are and what's what's our little world and and you know your world view when you belong to God really changes you see yourself as part of a larger family you see yourself as part of a human family uh, and also of a, a Christian family and then a church family and then a fellowship family or a ministry family, whatever your group is. But you begin to expand your vision of who you are. And it comes from the God that's planted something on the inside of you, uh, something that will give praise to him. Because when we lift each other up, that's kind of like a high praise for God. You know, it, it's like I see my brother as as just like me, loving your neighbor as yourself. See, that's what that really, really is in 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 practical terms. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you're thinking about them the same way you think about yourself. You don't you don't wonder if you're going to have enough left over for you. You just want to obey God. You know, you get tired of giving the world your leftovers or giving anybody your leftovers, what you don't want. And you start to think about what would really bless, what would please that people, person, what would really bless that person and, and let me do that for them. And so once you step into the arena of praise, you begin to take more on the attributes of God. There, there, there's something about praise and releasing that from your heart that has a transformative effect on you see it's it's like a reflection like you send something out and it reflects back to you to increase you this is what praise does it's you know we try to act like it's it's something that's takes effort or it's hard to do but you know you try to stop it when once it starts to rise up in you, you understand what it is a spiritual force that God puts on the inside of us to be released. And then it gets infectious and contagious. It's like the shepherds. God picked them because they kind of roam the countryside and they began to tell everybody. It's like God said, well, let me put this on uh uh what do you call those things? Um, group text or something like that. And let me make a group text out of this and send this out to as many people as I can. And so the shepherds, because many times people, you know, you got to understand people's occupations. Many times shepherds lived a kind of lonely, solitary life. And to have an angel show up all of a sudden, you know, that's totally out of, and so that grabs their attention. Amen. It'll get your attention when you're sitting there and you usually just, you know, smelling sheep or trying to go to sleep or trying not to go to sleep and watching for predators and all that. And to have something in that miraculous an order come into your life and just happen upon you, then you have there's something about the human being that when they are singled out, 
they know it. They know this is something unique. They know this is something unusual. They know this is not the ordinary. Just like when God does, God can do some, some of the most simple things for us. And we know 100% is God. You, you don't, you have no doubt that God put that there for you. Because there comes a witness somewhere on the inside of you where you know, now he knows my thoughts. He knows my heart. He knows what I like. He knows what I need. Nobody knows that but him. So this is God speaking to me. This is him telling me. This is him giving me a witness and a sign that he hears my prayers. He cares about me. He knows. And so it's good to stop and take note and give thanksgiving or lift your hand or bless his name and and show some adoration. God, nobody but you could do this for nobody but you knows me like this nobody but you can come to my rescue like you do and i know we all have those experiences and we like living like that we don't want them to just come here and there you know i know sometimes i'll get concerned about things and i'll i'll think i'll say well god gee it seemed like last month every time i looked around you were doing something for me and it was like that wasn't happening again he said look again See, I've been doing it, but you've not been noticing it. You understand what I'm saying? And and so he's present all the time, and he never stops. He never takes it. He works all the time. He never slumbers or sleeps. He's always on the job, blessing his children, helping his children. All of the things that we need, he's there. So he is worthy of praise. Amen. And And so we can see, I believe that, These people who saw Jesus as a baby were selected to start the praise and adoration of him while he was yet an infant. Amen. God began to what, what I call crank it up and, and tell about him so that by the time he was grown and by the time he was starting his ministry, when John the Baptist began to talk about him, people were already poised and already positioned to have the object of praise right there in their midst because they knew he came here as a baby and now he's grown up and he really is doing what God said he was going to do. This really is the Messiah. Amen. This really is him. And so God has to spread the word when he's doing things in the earth. He has to spread the word and he does it through praise. He does it through testimony but he does it through praise he does it through elevating and lifting up himself so that people will know what he's doing in the earth amen we're not to be ignorant of what god's doing we're we're to be knowledgeable about what he's doing in the earth and and so these first people were kind of just i guess caught unawares they didn't know what was coming they (laughs) 
kind of were maybe thinking something might happen or who knows where their minds were. But God got their attention and put them into a position to begin the praise, begin to let people know God is visiting us. This is different. God's doing something and we're all going to be partakers of it. Amen. It's for the whole world. So, so that's, that's the shepherds. They were the first or some of the first to know. And then you have, um, in Matthew chapter two, you have the wise men. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. So the shepherds we're assuming were um, God's people just because, <laughs> you know, they're, they were in the right place, the right time and, and so forth and so on. So the Bible says he came to his own. So God had to let quote unquote church or the Jew know that that the Savior was being born because they were the ones that were giving given charge of the scriptures. They were the ones that God chose out to keep a record of his dealings and he dealt with them and and kept his word to them over and over and over again. And so he was promised to come to them. But then he's the savior of the whole world. So in Matthew chapter two, we're starting verse one, and so God comes to seekers and to non-seekers alike. So the first, the shepherds, we can say were probably non-seekers, but maybe seekers. It didn't say this was an answer to prayer for any of them. But then we see these people from the world, and these are seekers. Amen. And so the, it says here in verse one, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, this is he that is born. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? So they are going to Herod. Now, in order to get an, an audience with a king, You have to have some stature, and I think that's why people called them kings or, you know, you see we three kings of Orient, you know, that kind of stuff. It seems like they were on a par to a degree with Herod. Now, it might be what, what's more likely is, is, is that they were people, they were astrologers for sure, because they were, they called them wise men, or they were in what they call magi, M-A-G-I, which our word magic comes from that. So they were magicians, they were sorcerers, they were fortune tellers, and they were astrologers. And so they studied the celestial world in order to get information to have to do with the physical or the known world. Amen. And so in many times they were very accurate because God who made the heavens could also speak to us through heavenly occurrences. And so they found that by the study of it, but then God is God and he'll, he'll keep some stuff to himself. <laughs> so you, you remember when Moses went, um, had to confront Pharaoh and every time the magicians did something, Moses duplicated it. Or when Moses did something, they duplicated it until it came to the hand of God. And that's when they backed up. And so, amen. So 
And this is the interesting thing. All astrologers recognize the higher power because they all know that they don't have it all. And so it's, they all know that they're subordinate to a God that made everything, even them. And they have to respect that. And so they, they do a lot better than some people that claim to know God. You know what I'm saying? They just back it up. I mean, they back up when they see the hand of God moving. And they say, where is he that was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And they did. They wanted to worship the king of the Jews because they had heard that he was the king of kings. He wasn't a king like Caesar. So they are using Herod as an information piece. And here Herod runs the known world. Amen. Or part of the government that runs the known world. So when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Amen. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. When they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had heard privately, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring the word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. There's the praise again. Amen. With exceeding great joy. And then when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh and being warned of God. Now these are astrologers. These aren't holy men at all. These are your fortune tellers. These are your diviners. These are your wizards, your magicians. But God speaks to them and they know his voice. Amen. (laughs) So God makes himself known to people. Don't ever think we got a lock on God. You understand what I'm saying? We have a covenant and we have access. We got to obey that covenant to get the, the, the uh, benefit of it. But God can speak to anybody through any sign, any way that he wants to speak to them. Amen. And so he speaks to them. They warn God warned them in a dream that they should not return to Herod. And they obeyed him. They departed. And went into their own country another way. They went into their own country and probably spread word that they had found the Messiah. They had found that baby that was being born that was king of the Jews. So they knew who Jesus was. So you see God spreading the word. He's spreading it among his own people. He's spreading it among the world. Amen. People in the world know Jesus. 
I mean, they know about him. They know him historically. It's up to the church to invite them in. See, the word's already gone out who Jesus is. They know he's the son of God. They know he's there to take away the sins of the world, but they've got to have an invitation in, and that's the church's responsibility. Amen? So they went, and so when they were departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to Egypt, and and, and stay there until I bring you word, amen, that he's supposed to leave. And eventually Herod died and, and Jesus was, was brought out of Egypt. Amen. Uh, back into Nazareth in Galilee. And that's where he lived and that's where he grew up. And so anybody who opposes the move of God, God will deal with them. Amen. Herod died and Jesus lived. Amen. The same thing is true of anything else that opposes a move of God. It won't stand. You know, don't ever get afraid of what sinners are doing, the world is doing, and, you know, all of this vax and non-vax and who can go out the house and who can't. Don't don't be afraid of that stuff. Live in the world of God's kingdom. Amen. Don't be so concerned about what what am I allowed to do? Am I going to keep my job? Yeah, you're going to keep your job if you want it. Amen. If you don't want it, let the devil have it, but God will let you repent and get another job. Amen. He will take care of us no matter what. He always takes care of his people. My advice, though, is hold on to what you have. Don't let the devil talk you out of anything. Don't let him talk you into bending and bowing and kowtowing and all of that because his power is dissipating by the minute. Amen. He's being blown into ash by the minute. Amen. His power is evapor. His deceptive power is evaporating by the minute. Amen. People can see through it. Only people who are in gross darkness are afraid. You understand what I'm saying? That fear lures them and sucks them into that world of fear. But if you stay in the liberty of Christ and don't let fear corner you, you will be free indeed, folks. You'll be free of all of this nonsense that's going on. Amen. So we've got non-seekers. We've got seekers. We're told about the birth of Jesus. Then we have some people as when Jesus is um, in Luke chapter 2 again, when Jesus is presented in the temple. Mark, Luke. And this is all about adoration and praise. Amen. You can see this little baby has got people's attention. Amen. Now, many people have children. You know, everybody rejoices when your baby is born, but they don't bring you a bunch of stuff. You know, and God doesn't announce that you just had a baby. You know, you had one two years ago. You know, <laughs> I used to uh, kid my one sister, Jackie, my baby sister. All her babies look just alike on the baby pictures. You know what I'm saying? I said, why don't you just get one picture and pass it out? And, you know, every time one's born, just crank one out and send it on out again. You know, so everybody said, well, he looked like so-and-so. They all look the same to me. Amen. Same features, same everything. When they grew up, they look different, but you know, it's just, just that way. But, but you know, it's, it's natural. 
and it's kind of common. It's special to the parents and special to the family, but, but pretty much babies are born all the time. Amen. And, and people have them all the time. And so it's, but it's odd that people will come to worship a baby and, and look forward to, you know, there's something different about this baby. I don't know what it is, but God has drawn my attention to him. And the same thing happens again in, in Luke chapter two. In verse, we go down to, I think in 2025. Okay. In 22, we'll start there. When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished. So this is. This is Jesus bringing, uh, um, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the, the temple to be dedicated. They brought him to Je- Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So your firstborn belongs to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, people keep telling you that Jesus was wealthy. You ever heard that? He was rich. But my Bible says that he became poor. He was rich in heaven. He had access to anything that the Father wanted to give him. But for our sakes, he took poverty on himself so that we could have the wealth. There had to be an exchange there. So he exchanged a life for a life. But if you read this this sacrifice they presented, this is what poor people gave. Amen. Turtle doves and pigeons were the sacrifice of the poor. Amen. Or the everyday people or couldn't afford the real sacrifice was supposed to be a lamb a man or a bull or or a piece of of cattle but birds were given by people and that's all they could afford says and behold there was a man in jerusalem whose name was simeon the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of israel and that's talking about the messiah and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So he's a seeker. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Amen. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he died. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms, Simeon did, and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you had prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things that were spoken of him. So here you see God revealing the Messiah to seekers. It's a good thing to stay connected to God for something because he'll let you live to see it. 
must say it again. It's good to stay connected to God for something because he will let you live to see it. It doesn't have to be anything real deep, real spiritual. Amen. You know, I, there are some people who I, I've seen, uh, like, say, a young mother be stricken with cancer and her children are very small. And her prayer will be, I just want to see them grow up. And as soon as they grow up, disease advances and she leaves here. My thing is ask for more time. I want to see them get married, see my grandchildren and my grandchildren get married. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why would you cut up? But see, many times our vision is, is, is impatient and short. And we think when we're dying and they're small, we think, boy, that would be a miracle just for me to see them grow up. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm convinced that as long as you're connected to something that God's involved in and you plan to see it, he will allow you to see it. Amen. He'll give you the faith to be able to stay here to see it. So Simeon was able to see the Messiah and bless him and worship him. Amen. And he prophesied over him. And verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. So I'm thinking that's her age. Amen. She's 80, 84 years old which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers day and night. So you see the sometimes the kind of sacrifice and commitment that's needed to complete the plan of God. You understand what I'm saying? There are people that God just puts his spirit on and instructs them. I want you to stay here and do this until I release you from it. Amen. So she was finally released from it. Amen. When she saw the Messiah and she coming in that instant gave thanks. Here we go. Praise again. Likewise unto God and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption and is in Jerusalem. So she began to preach from all her fasting and prayer. She began to preach and tell them about the Messiah. Amen. And, and so the only thing was left for, was for Jesus to continue to grow. And continue to prosper before the Lord so that this, this plan of, of rejoicing, this plan of God coming to the earth, this plan of releasing praise from the lips of all humanity would be fulfilled. Praise is extremely important for God to get his work done in the earth. It is a New Testament phenomenon. It's it's described in the Old Testament, but much of it's congregational in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's personal and private. So you don't have to wait to get to church to praise God. You don't have to put off anything in order to call forth his glory into the earth. So we're just going to go over a few things about praise. Well, I don't know how many things I shouldn't say a few, but, but I did make some notes about exactly what praise is, what it means to adore God, to put him, set him aside and set him apart. Things we adore, we hold in special high esteem. Amen. It's like, I know a lot of people don't do much with it anymore, but I used to talk about it like your fine china 
or your your non-plastic and non um double double uh what's it the double arch dishes you know your your bags from McDonald's them's dishes the people we be eating out of them oh whoever thought we'd be eating out of bags and happy to do it you understand what i'm saying i'd be happy for my little bags too depends on what's in them but but you know what i'm saying it's the valuable things where do you put your valuables you put them in a place where they can't be broken where they can't be touched every day where they can't be chipped and cracked and and all of that you put them in a special place and I believe that's where we need to put God. But that's where he placed himself. He placed himself in our hearts. That's his special place. Amen. When he talks about his, we are bodies being a temple of the Holy Ghost. That word temple really means dwelling place. And it means a place of worship. So the most important thing in maintaining your temple is that you worship God. You understand what I'm saying? It's If it's a temple, worship needs to be coming forth from there. You know? I mean, people can pervert. They have perverted that word so much, you know. And, oh, you got to take care of the temple and they send you to the gym. Come on now. How did we go from spiritual to, to carnal all of a sudden? See, temple, that's a spiritual word. Or else we just call it a house or a tent or a dwelling place. But when the Apostle Paul refers to us as the temple of God, a temple is a place of worship. It's a place of adoration. It's a place where God is lifted up. It's a place where he's held in high esteem, where he's talked about in glowing terms. Amen. So whatever condition your wreck of a house is, you can turn it into a temple through worship. And I can guarantee you anything that's not right in your temple can be corrected through worship. Amen. Just just understand what that means. It doesn't mean, you know, you see people talking all kind of crazy stuff and putting on all this designer stuff. I got to take care of the temple. The temple got to look good. Come on now. Praise is comely for the upright. Amen. It's how you, how you function spiritually that makes it a temple. Come on now. You, you can, you can overemphasize the carnal in anything, folks. But you, and I'm not saying abuse your body. I'm not saying, but we're a long way from abuse, most of us. You understand what I'm saying? There's some people out there that are really abusing themselves. You know, drug addicts, people that, you know, uh, pornographers demeaning themselves and demeaning other people. That's to me, that's abuse. But you know, we, when we talk about maintaining the temple, you got to keep a constant praise and a constant worship. That's how you maintain the temple of God. If you never e- exercise any praise, any adoration, any thanksgiving, any fellowship with him, that's not a temple. You just got him staying there to pull him out when you need something. That's not worship. Amen. That's abuse. And so we've got to understand what God means when he calls us his temple. That means that there must be a perfume. 
coming all the time. There's got to be a smoke rising up from us. There's got to be blessing of God, blessing him at all times. Let his praise continually be in our mouths, continually. That means you don't glorify the devil. You don't complain. You don't badmouth anybody. You don't try to put anybody down. You don't think negative about things. That means have praise always in your mouth. Well, that's hard to do. Well, you mean to tell me I can't? No, you can't never say nothing wrong. It's not permissible. Don't give yourself, don't cut yourself slack on the wrong side. You know, why we always got to permit things to do that aren't edifying? Why would you want to use your mouth to complain? Why would you want to use it to, I mean, you can go to God and tell him anything, but at the end of the day, you better stop and praise him. You better stop and worship and adore him. Amen. You know, you can utter any word you want to, but somebody's going to cause that to manifest if you're not careful. Huh? You know, people pray all kind of goofball prayers and twisted up prayers, prayers that aren't the word. Well, somebody heard that prayer. And somebody's working on it. Amen. So we need to repent and exercise some faith in God. God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come to you complaining. I didn't mean to come to you. I should have just stopped and forget given that person when it happened. You got me? <laughs> so I can come to you clean. Amen. Nothing missing, nothing broken. In peace. And, and let's have fellowship instead of let's have a gripe session. I would rather have people, fellowship with people any day than have a gripe session. Amen. You know, I'm like, hey, it, when is my turn? <laughs> you go sit up and complain to me. When's my turn? Well, I get to complain. Amen. Not that I want to. I want to keep right relationship with God. Yeah. So to, 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 to adore means to hold in high esteem, to treasure. Amen. We treasure God. We treasure his son. We treasure the Holy Spirit because he is the agent of praise. He is the agent that helps us, gets us into the right atmosphere and the right frame of mind. He provides the proper atmosphere so that our praise does go up to heaven. Other than that, it, it wouldn't go very far. If the Holy Spirit didn't help and didn't orchestrate and didn't help us release praise, it would go not very far. Amen. So, so it means to praise means to bless, to kneel, to salute, to adulate. Worship often begins by meditation on how much we love God, how much we adore Him. Amen. Then, then praise automatically rises up. That, that's a point of contact for us to begin to praise God. Amen. The, well, there are several words for praise. The word tehillah, these are Hebrew words. It means a psalm, and a psalm also means a word of praise, or a song of praise, or a poem of praise. Amen. So tehillah means to praise God in psalm. That is to tell a story about the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. He sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. Amen. So that's a psalm of praise. Amen. 
It, it may not be in the Psalms per se, but it is a tehillah. It is something that lifts him up and gives him praise. Amen. Toda means confession or thanksgiving. So there is a part of praise that is, 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 um, I guess you can say it's a story of what God has done for us. It's why God told Israel to rehearse all of the things in your ears and the ears of your children. They told them to write them down and rehearse them in their ears. Why? So that that would begin to cause thanksgiving to rise up on the inside of them. Amen. So their confession is to bring thanks to the Lord. It's a confession of what he's done, the good that he's done. This is how the Hebrews lived. They lived out of a good confession about God. They would say good things about the Lord. Amen. If you are ever around Jewish people now, if you utter negative things, they would say, why would you say that? They're often very, that's a part of them culturally as far as their upbringing. Uh, Don't say that about yourself. Why would you say that about your children? You know, that kind of thing. They always question and correct when they see because they they believe 100% in the curse. You understand what I'm saying? We the redeemed should be more, um, more quick to utter good phrases, but we will say negative things in a heartbeat. You got me? Um, just because we're accustomed to doing it. And, but the Jew is always careful not to release anything that would cause bad fruit in their lives to come into their lives. And so it's that, that toda of confession, of thanksgiving. Shabbat means to praise and to glorify. So it's a more intense kind of praise. Amen. Zamar or yada means to stretch out the hand, amen, or to lift up holy hands, amen. The word praise, one of the translations is the Latin word pretium, which our, our word premium comes from, amen. It means to ascribe worth and value to. So when you praise something or you praise someone or you praise God, you ascribe worth and value to it. Do we praise people? Often we do. Praise is an encouragement often to people. All you do is take note of something good that that person has done so that that good settles in on them and encourages them to do more good. Amen. It's not manipulation. It's not anything of the kind when it comes from the heart of God. It's something. You ever have somebody send you a note or a card or something and and you had been not in the best frame of mind all day, and then suddenly that pops up, and you read it, and you see it, and you, you're you thanking God for it. You say, God, there's somebody that, that sees what I do. There's somebody who appreciates me and appreciates my efforts, you know, and learn how to value those things because the enemy will see to it that you don't get them. You know, God will put it on your heart to call somebody or text somebody or thank them for something, and you put it off. The enemy will have something else pop up in your mind, and you run off and do that, and then you put off doing it, and then so many days go by, you're ashamed to do it then. Amen? And and so we have to be quick to respond to that 
that prompting from God to kind of spread the value around. What we're doing is showing people that they are valuable. And you can't do that too much. Amen. You have to show people that they are valuable. Amen. Amen. So, so praise becomes, um, that it, 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 that word pretium means to ascribe worth or value. It means to be a real personal conviction of worth. So praise comes from us really valuing God, really, you know, you put it together in your heart and you see God, I, you're just remarkable. You're too wonderful for words. God, you do so much so quickly. I just barely even thought about this and here you bless me with it already. God, you're too, you're beyond imagination. You're wonderful. You begin to ascribe glory to God because his, his, he makes himself known as somebody who is wonderful, as the God who is wonderful. Amen. So, so there is a worthiness to be adored that comes from the essence of God. He, he is worthy to be adored and he has proven it over and over and over again. In Revelation four, you turn there. And verse 11, it says here, um, and it talks about the throne. This is around the throne in heaven. Uh, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice I heard was a trumpet talking to me. This is John saying, come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And he says he was immediately in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And it says further down, it says out of the throne, verse five proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, the second a calf, the third has a face of a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, then the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that living, that live, liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and for your pleasure they are and were created. So God is sovereign in his holiness. He is sovereign. See, the word holy means above reproach, above blame, blameless, faultless, everything right about him. So God created all things for his pleasure for his delight, but also with godly purpose. He didn't just create like, like we create, man creates these, you know, 
computer things, toys and games. And, you know, they mean nothing. They have no purpose beyond amusement. I mean, that's something right there. But God goes way beyond. A holy God will create a purpose that reflects his holiness, that reflects his divinity, that reflects his, there's a reflection of God in everything he creates. When he, when we talk about his majesty, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Heaven talks. You look at it and you say to yourself, this didn't just happen. This isn't just some accident that was performed. And this is not the work of a man. This has to be the work of God. Something, somebody bigger and greater than man did all of this. Amen. So, so once God has a witness in the earth of his almighty power, of his divinity, there's, there's nothing left to do but worship him. God, I can't outdo this. I don't even know how you did this. You know, you can search the scripture and you'll see little glimpses of, of God creating things and, and holding back the curtain of the heavens. And I'm saying to myself, come on now. He just made the earth and said, shoop, just swoop back the curtains with a tie rod or whatever with his word. And it says, stop and, and don't drop. Amen. And, and all of the things that he does, he upholds the world by the word of his power. All of the worlds, you know, the celestial, the earth, everything. And so there's nobody greater than him. What are you going to do besides say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the heaven is filled with your glory. Amen. The earth is filled with your glory. So he is worthy to be adored. Amen. Everything was created for him and by him and for his pleasure. So all creation praises God. You see the elders that sit sat on their thrones when those words of holy started coming out of the peace all they did they hit the flow and threw their crowns at the feet of the lord amen and we don't have to see all that happen to throw our crowns at the feet of the lord god i don't want credit for anything now that i'm thinking about it because if you hadn't come into my life i would be that that nothing of nothing that little nerve sitting in a corner trying to find another tranquilizer to take amen and so when you think about the greatness of God and how Jesus praise was started spontaneously by man on the earth with the birth of the son of God. When the Messiah came into the earth, that occurrence released praise in the hearts of men that has not stopped and will not stop. Amen. It will never stop. The devil wants to snuff out the praise of God. He can't do it by bringing trouble into your life because those of us who know God have found out the more trouble comes, the harder you need to praise him. Amen. And trouble will have to leave. Amen. So we've learned the key to our own deliverance and that is to bring him on the scene. Amen. So all creation praises God. Amen. Psalm 103 and verse we did, we did we talked Revelation 4.11. 5.11 says the same thing, that that the angels around the throne of God, amen, uh, praise God. And Revelation 5.11 talks about the thousands that cannot be numbered that are praising him, amen. And Psalms 103, 
we're talking here about the the um, creation praising him. It says one oh three one bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. In other words, my soul, my spirit, my words, amen, my lungs, <laughs> my bloodstream, everything praise the Lord. Everything that's within me praise God. Amen. And bless his holy name. Bless his blameless name. Amen. God is holy. Holy means he don't have to apologize for nothing. He don't have to correct anything. He's uncorrectable. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So as you're blessing God, remember what he does for you. Amen. You know why you do that? So you don't stop blessing him. There's a little, a little thing to it. You'll bless him forever if you do that. Amen. You, you start thinking of his benefits and you'll go into it forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's reminds me. I got to take my benefits book out again. I, I put it, I put it out and I put it back and I take it out again. I take it out again. Amen. So the angels of heaven by the thousands praise him according to Revelation 5.11. And we partake in that. Amen. See, there's continuous praise in heaven that we can join into. You don't have to be have your favorite worship music on or prime your pump or crank anything up. Amen. Just bless him and, and don't forget his benefits. Amen. And keep blessing him for his benefits. Keep blessing him because he's God. Amen. In 19, Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Amen. Heaven is talking to us. All we have to do is listen. Amen. And look and say, man, you're still there. You don't change. I thank you, Lord, for good weather. I thank you that this heat wave will keep up. I thank you I won't have to plow snow this winter. Amen. My boots won't wear out. My feet won't be cold. Amen. Amen. Psalm 148 really talks about a symphony of praise. Amen. We go to 148. And this is what God wants to bring to the earth. The same symphony of praise that there is in heaven. We got a ways to go. But we all spontaneously, if you spontaneously praise the Lord, you join into that ongoing heavenly chorus. It says 148.1, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all ye angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens and you waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them. Forever and ever he hath made a decree that shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons, all ye deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things, flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and judges of all the earth. Young men and women, maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. 
He also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. So that includes everybody. Everybody is invited into this symphony of praise. Amen. It's good for us to praise the Lord. Psalm 104 talks about praising his majesty. 104 verse 1. Amen. You praise him because he's high and above all gods. He's the highest of all. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself in light as with a garment and stretch out the heavens like a curtain who laid the beams of his timbers in the waters, of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walks upon the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flaming fire who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever, who covered it with a deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the voice of the th- your thunder, they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys. In other words, God just started rebuking the water and sent it where he wanted to. Amen. We have no idea where everything is on the earth. You got to tap into God to find stuff. Amen. Always know that there's riches that have not been discovered yet. Amen. Hidden treasures that are enmeshed in darkness at God's command, but they will be revealed at his command as well. Amen. So we praise God for his majesty, his greatness, his greatness above all gods and above all things. Amen. And Jesus brought praise to man, to the earth. He gave us an object to see God through, to give us a reason to really have heartfelt praise unto God. If if you ever have a day where you don't think about a reason to praise God, not that you need one. All you need to do is release what's in you. But we know how we get. Sometimes you feel like some kind of way, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means, but. You know what I'm saying. People just say things, but just think about his majesty. Think about his greatness. Think about how there's none bigger than him. Begin to meditate on that. Begin to tell God about himself. Tell him what you know him about God. God, you're good and your mercy endures forever. You're the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the God of all flesh. Nothing's too hard for you. Begin to extol him and exalt him. And find you'll find that he responds to the slightest inkling of praise. So when you give praise out, God receives it and multiplies it back to you and gives you more. He wants you to be able to keep him in your presence and keep your presence in him. So you'll find praise is increased and multiplied to you as you release it to him. Amen. There's nobody like God. Never will be anybody Never will be anybody like him. Amen. And he came as an innocent baby, but he showed you that praise was even comely for that little baby. 
It was right to praise him. Amen. It was right to honor him and it was right to glorify him and is still right to glorify him because he lives in us. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, for the gift of praise. Thank you, Lord, for the garment of praise. Thank you, Lord, that praise is comely for the upright. Thank you, Lord, that praise is genuine. It comes out of our spirits. It's a pure essence of adoration to you, and you receive it, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you wait for our praise, that you are on alert to hear our praise, that you always honor our praise. You always send it back to us and give us more. You increase us through our praise, Father. And we are so thankful for it, Lord. Father, we speak to everyone who is battling uh, COVID and, and, and not able to breathe as well as they would like to. Just begin to praise God and your breath will come back to you. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that needs more breath praise the Lord. Watch your breathing ease increase as you praise him. Don't live in fear. The devil can't kill you if you're blood bought. Allow that praise to rise up out of you and see if God does not get you off oxygen. See if he does not increase you. See if he does not chase COVID or Rona, whatever it is, Omicron, whoever his name is. He chases it all away because he said none of the diseases would be on his children. And he means that. You don't have disease. You have symptoms and they must flee in the name of Jesus. You are redeemed from the curse of sickness. Just refuse it in Jesus' name. It's not for you. Don't receive it in the name of Jesus. Don't let a diagnosis hang on you. Just refuse it and rebuke it. Say, nope, I don't receive this. I am redeemed from the curse of sickness. Send it elsewhere in the name of Jesus. And watch your healing rise. Watch your deliverance rise. Watch the ease of breathing rise. And take it right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. And we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, you can come up for prayer now.